0: Hey everyone, producer Pat Boyle here. Before we roll the interview with Justin Bourne, Chris and I thought it was important to give it some context. As you all know, less than two weeks ago, we tragically lost Islanders legend Clark Gillies. And as many of you know, Justin Bourne, the Sportsnet analyst and son of Islanders Dynasty member Bob Bourne, well, Clark Gillies is his father-in-law. Justin is married to Clark's daughter Brianna, and they were very close. This interview that Chris did with Justin was recorded about 10 days before Clark's passing. That night, we learned Clark was battling a health issue, but we certainly did not know the extent of it. We thank Justin Bourne for doing the interview, especially now that we understand a lot more about what his family was going through. The team at Hockey Press Pass dedicates this episode to the memory of Clark Gillies, to the Gillies and Bourne families, to all of Clark's friends, and to his fans like all of you.
1: Justin relatives by marriage who are your three favorite all-time new york islanders
2: well i actually i'm gonna to stick to that era by and large because i still have personal connection you it's a loophole i know but uh brian Trace and bobby nystrom uh you know they were they were at my wedding they remain family friends uh trots was a part of uh you know a fantasy camp we did and not to mention you know when i was at islander camp Trace was the guy you know, i was like not a draft pick or anything but he was on the ice and he was the guy in my ear being like look you're better than him you know you're better than that guy and make me be like yeah 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 so I, i've always appreciated uh those two guys and then you know just thinking of my my age i i loved pierre turgeon i really i just loved you know the the talent the playmaking which kind of made when you ask this question i have like i loved watching ziggy palfi i loved i love ray ferraro you know like i i was always kind of the uh I don't want to use the software, word. I don't think Ray would like that in particular, but the, I like the skillier guys of the group.
1: Yes, the finesse players, all yeah. great, great choices. Uh, Justin Bourne is our guest. Welcome to Hockey Press Pass, presented by Instat Hockey, and the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington, Long Island. And I mention that because our guests spent... of his childhood in and around Huntington, Long Island, it's Justin Bourne, an NHL analyst for Sportsnet and the co-host with Nick Kiprios of The Real Kipper and Bourne Show on the Fan 590. Justin played at the University of Alaska Anchorage and also in the AHL and ECHL. He was at an Islanders camp, too. He started writing around the end of his playing career in 2009, and within a decade, he's established himself as a leading and respected voice in the sport in Canada, where, from what I'm told, hockey is pretty popular. (laughs) Um, Thank you you so, so much for doing this. How is this whole media... Thing worked out for you in the move to Toronto. Or like, have, have you enjoyed it? Have you called your shot? I mean, it, it seems to be going really well. Obviously, it makes me immensely proud. But how do you feel about how these last this last decade plus has turned out?
2: Well, I feel like, and I feel like anyone watching should know that uh, I was given my first opportunity because of you, and I haven't forgotten that. That sort of my first published words on the internet were on Islanders Point Blank, which is where you know you were running that shop at the time. Um, and actually I think I wrote another piece, maybe I wrote two for you there. Um, but it was the first, the first stuff that I ever got in front of eyeballs aside from Bourne's blog, which is a WordPress site. So, um, that felt good. You know, pretty, it kind of got people to, to my personal blog and got things started. So, you know, from there, I think I, I found a, a, this niche where, um, if you played in the NHL and, and were really good, you made a lot of money. And you don't want to put in the time and work to do the media stuff. <laughs> I, I don't have that problem of having gotten rich and, and well playing, but I played a high enough level that I think I know it and can speak it. Um, at you know, it's a pro level. And at the same time, um, I like to read and write and always have. And so that's been a bit of a, a leg up. So yeah, found, found a little bit of a niche in the early going of the, uh, the blogging internet wave, and here I am in Toronto, things things are going pretty good
1: now. And I think, Justin, thanks for saying that, I think those first couple of pieces, the spirit was like the player's experience. And then that's, you know, your pieces for The Athletic and other places that have been so well-received that kind of created your voice. Like, w- was that your thing that, okay, I, I'm not a, somebody who played 500 games in the NHL, I need to bring something different? So did that kind of become, was there a moment where you're like, this is... What's going to have to be my voice, whether it's a written piece or whether you're on the radio or anywhere else.
2: What's funny is the evolution of that, Chris, because for sure, when I started out, it's like I had no, I'd never written like no formal writing training. I didn't go to school for journalism. Um, You know, so when I started writing, that was like the one thing I felt I could do that other people weren't doing is relating my own experiences. And, you know, at that time I was, I started writing, I think, um, you know, my blog, while I was in the ECHL, uh, Injured. So I was freshly removed from experiences and could relate things directly to having played against NHL players. So I kind of thought that was going to be my thing. But then as you do it long enough, no one cares about a guy's playing experience in the ECHL 10 years ago. And so trying to find a way to continue that relevance, um, you know, for me was, you know, I opened my, my, my mind up to some of the analytic angles of things. I, uh, I tried different things in terms of, know making videos i did systems analyst post post where i broke down things so you know finding my voice has always been about like what do i know or what can i do that other people uh can't or don't do or don't do well and kind of trying to stay in that pocket a little bit which i think i've done all right but the one thing when you talk about the voice is that maintaining the voice of the locker room and i say like and um and as you know like a lot of the the pauses uh, like hockey players do. And I think there's an authenticity in that. If I could swear a little bit more, I think it would make it perfect, but that's probably not allowed on sports net. So uh, yeah, keeping the hockey voice while using some other analysis is kind of in my niche,
1: but it is allowed here. So feel free to be, be, pre- your, be your authentic <laughs> self. Um, your foray in the middle of all this to uh, working in the Maple Leaf system as a video coach or analyst, um, I don't think you did it for education to go back into media. At the time, were you thinking, well, maybe, you know, everybody wants to be in the game, right? Everybody who's a, every former coach who's taking a temporary job on ESPN wants to go back and coach. I get that. But at that time, were you thinking, Justin, that, you know, maybe you would get into the coaching or management side?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and I, I don't 100% have an answer on, on what I thought it would be. All, I thought it might be all of those things, and I knew that whichever one it was was beneficial to me. Like, you know, I, I saw the opportunity, Kyle Dubas gave me an opportunity to be the, the video coach at the Marlies and the AHL, and I thought if I go there and I'm good at it and I like it, then yeah, who doesn't? I want to be in the game, I still want to win a Stanley Cup. You know, I still do. So, you know, this to me was an in to be on a staff, the Leafs were good. You know, Sheldon Keith was always kind of Kyle's guy, and so being Sheldon's right-hand man, if they worked their way up, you know, I could kind of squint and see my way into the NHL um, from there. So I figured that was a good angle, and if I didn't like it, I came back to the the media side, having worked in Toronto, you know, for some of the bigger names, and I I had a sense that would be valuable. And at the same time, I was kind of far enough removed from my playing days where being in the game again and kind of having – a little bit more um, authority to the voice of having been of the game. I was behind the scenes of them. I, you know, I had on my computer when I got back into media, Mike Babcock's systems package, 80 slides long on PowerPoint. And, you know, I, I felt that there was either way I thought I would come out ahead. And I think that worked out. When one thing I forgot about going back into the game is it's all you need, know, all you have, like, you know, you're on the bus, you're in the plane. At, the, at that time, we, my wife had just given birth to our first kid. We moved to Toronto, we didn't know anyone, so it was hard never being around and just like being so consumed by hockey again, and I'll be honest, by like my the second year of it, I was like, boy, well, the, the Athletics starting up, I wonder if they have any opportunities there. Um, you know, it, it worked out great that I was able to get, get in there after a couple of years.
1: And never say never, there's no reason not to, but... Things are going well. I see the podcast charts. I see you and Kipper uh, kicking butt on the air and F- uh, Fan 590, um, Sportsnet, a rights holder, major shows, Hockey Central. Uh, are you in the mode of, um, I'm a media guy? I'm a, I'm a broadcaster? Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I am. You know, I, I did always feel that the jobs I had out of hockey was kind of working towards something else. Um, you know, I, I worked at the score for years and I wasn't, you know, that never felt like the end game necessarily. And same with the the video coach and same with the athletic, this job is like, you know, I, I think if I'm going to be in media and I, I, I think I am, I'm going to be a family guy and you know, that lends itself better than all the traveling. So here it's like, what do you want to do in media? And it's, I, I feel like for the first time, not that I can call my shot, but if I went to them and said, I have a a show, an idea or a video idea or whatever, I feel like I would have that leeway to, to act creatively. I also, uh, so yeah, I think I'm, I I say, I think I'm a media guy because there's always, there's still a part of me. That's like, you know, if someone came and was like, ah, we'll give you 300 grand to come cut tape for the, you know, (laughs) okay. You know, I can, you can talk me into it. So, um, you know, there's, there's a world that could be talked out of it, but I'm very happy and content in media. I'm having a lot of fun, and it's better for my lifestyle. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm a media guy.
1: To the viewers, listeners, not in Toronto, or one of the few, when I say hockey hotbed, let me be clear here. Islander fans, Ranger fans, Bruins fans, no offense here. I'm talking about... Getting back from the outer game, putting on TSN Sportsnet or Sports Net or Sports Center or Sportsnet, and the the lead highlights are not LeBron or the Yankees. They are the Maple Leafs or the Canadians. What is it like to be very much in the center of that? talk radio scene uh the leaf scene in toronto like you are now how would you describe that to your friends on long island uh who don't really get it really you do this well yeah Yeah. these are my words you're a big deal you're you're talking hockey in toronto yeah
2: you know it's uh i feel like the bad guy i truly feel like i've become like you know there if it's like you know yankees cowboys you know whatever it's like you know, you're, I'm a part of the big machine of the, the big team. So, like, you know, when I would write an article about the Leafs, everyone else in Canada would be like, oh, Leafs net. Like, uh, you know, you write about another team. You know, and there is, when I grew up in, in British Columbia when we left Long Island, um, and, you know, Toronto has a reputation. It's all oh, they're arrogant and, you know, only care about, I don't know, maybe there's a bit of truth to that. So I feel like I'm, I've joined the bad guys. But at the same time, like, I want that energy. You know, I want to be a part of the the most talked about, the most heat, the most pressure. Like, if you want to be a professional hockey player, you want to play in Game Seven. You know, and for me in media, like this is this is cool. This there's attention here if I do good. If there's attention here if I do bad. And I think the athlete in me, like the former player, I like that little bit of rush. You know, that little bit of adrenaline that comes from you know the camera coming on when doing television, which is something I'm you know only a couple of years into and. You know, feel like, you know, preparing that day for it, the way you prepare for a game, there's something that replicates the experience of having played. So I like the energy. I like the attention. You know, I, I haven't been perfect and I've uh, I felt uh, how it goes uh, when it's not well received. So um, yeah, good and bad, but keeps it interesting. Better than being bored, I think
1: not the social media stuff or whatever you might be referring to about not being well-received because nobody's going to give you a hundred percent. It actually would be a real problem if everybody just thought you a hell of a guy and right all the time. Uh, but, you know, this is something that's come up uh, with Kelly Rudy on the show with Ray Ferraro and, and for uh, other, other people who didn't play for the Islanders at one point, uh, have you start, do you occasionally hear from players i'm not asking you to name them unless you want to share or general managers about things you might say when you're on a show for so long you're bound to say something either errantly or just impassionately that people aren't going to appreciate so will you get a text or a you know a call to hey i want to talk this over you got this wrong or i think yeah. you're wrong how's that gone?
2: yeah no that is that's a very real thing and you know you talk about the eyeballs and attention that. I I want that feedback from people often because I want to get it right. You know, and if I have, but to your point, it's like, our show is two hours long, you know, talk with someone for two hours, five days a week, you do 10 hours of just pouring out of your mouth. They only play the Leafs play two, three games a week right now. I'm talking about the more than they're playing. Like sometimes you're, sometimes you're filling air a little bit and, and you're right. Things come out more than anything. I'll get a DM on Twitter like a flippant tweet where I'm watching something and I'll just be like, you know, a casual comment about a player who's and I don't know what they're going through or I didn't see something the way a play developed or. So, yeah, I'll I'll get DMs about criticisms more than anything. You know, I I have uh, all my WhatsApp. I don't know if you use WhatsApp, but my contacts from uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, guys and I do intermittently hear something. Never like, great job on that. Usually, <laughs> like you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And I'm like, shit, I don't. So there is that, <laughs> there is that element of like, it keeps me on my toes because I know people are listening. Like that, but at the same time, I don't want to embarrass myself. So yeah, it keeps me on my toes.
1: Oh, cool. Um, I thought about this after you were nice enough to uh, free up some time to to do this uh, interview. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. It's a positive. It's a nice thing. Do you remember back in the days when you were, you're actually now old enough that there were these days where people mailed letters. Do you remember mailing a letter to the Islanders? And I, I believe specifically to me when you were young. And I should point out for the people who don't know, Justin Bourne is the son of Bob Bourne, the great forward from the Islanders dynasty. And one of the most decent former, former sports illustrated sportsman of the year. How many people won four Stanley cups in, sportsman yeah Yeah. um so go back so do you remember writing
2: you know what's funny is uh you're you are jogging my memory because i i think i wrote it when i was playing junior hockey i think there was some slighter transgression uh, assumed by me against my father and I was coming to his defense.
1: Is that right? Yeah. And it was a beautiful thing. I, I probably in the moment, I, I'm not going to lie, probably in, absolutely in the moment, opening up the envelope, I was probably like, Oh, this kid. As, and, <laughs> But, but I, 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 don't, I don't think that lasted long. And I will say all of these years later, and I want to say 25 years later, 20, it, it, it's a moving thing to me. So what you did to be really clear is, I made, I, I believe it was me, or somebody wrote for the Islanders program, put it on me. The Islanders program or the Islanders new, news made reference. What we tend to do is it's, look at the Islanders dynasty. There's the, Hall, the, the Hockey Hall of Fame guys, yeah, Bossy, et And then we tend to lump everybody else in this kind of category of character players, grinders, et cetera, which, of course, is Freaking absurd when you realize that like Bob Bourne and Nyström had seasons where they scored thirty goals and they'd be making eight million dollars a year, you know. So, but I, uh, they mention um,
2: that sometimes, by the way.
1: Yeah. So, so I, so, so I will say defending myself all these years later that I, I know I didn't mean any harm because I, I was a big yeah. fan of your dad. I you know, they they were they were I was fifteen when they won the first cup to put to give this perspective. I loved all those guys. Um, there are many I would call grinders on the team, so whether I use that term, but I think I referred whatever the term was, and I got a letter from Justin Bourne and uh and it was nice it really was yeah. but but it was, it was it actually was so damn nice it was cutting because <laughs> <laughs> what you said was something like uh you referred to my father bob warren as you know as a grinder and i must point out that he was more than that he did this he had these many points yeah. he got this goal where he literally skated from end to end uh, Judge mcdonald talked about it on the show recently and um it, that's just awesome so i that's actually the first thing I think you wrote in hockey, and, you know, and, you know, I, and I wish you know, I had it.
2: And you know what's funny, too, is uh, I'm glad you don't, but when I when I look back, you know, I, I have such a clear understanding of media and how a program would be made and how, you know, like th- those type of things now, it's ridiculous to have ever, uh, you know, had felt like that then. But it is funny now having like a better understanding for how content gets produced, how like, Unserious it was that I would ever be bothered by something like that. It is pretty funny,
1: and 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 uh, it uh, the ending gets even happier, and we'll go on to other things too. But uh, when the Islanders started a Hall of Fame under Charles Wong, uh, it was it was you know the, the Born Tonelli, Tonelli Born in terms of that, that that next group that we thought were no brainers to go, to be the first uh, non Hall of Famer uh, to go into the Islanders Hall of Fame. I guess I feel like I'm getting defensive telling you that, but it was uh, <laughs> Bob, uh, Bob, Bob uh Well, listen,
2: that worked out well for me too, that whole induction. I don't know if, uh, yeah. If
1: yeah. You... <laughs> so, so when we had Bob Bourne Islanders Hall of Fame night, it was going to be one particular date and then your father, or perhaps you yourself sent word perhaps through the legendary Joanne Holloway, assistant to every general manager in Islander history, uh, she, Will uh, be uh, she'll get sane to it in a, in a couple of years.
2: She'll
1: um, <laughs> write her book. You <laughs> <laughs> won't. That's what makes her so great. Um, but uh, got word that said, hey, uh, Justin's on University of uh, uh, Alaska, Anchorage, and he can't make it. Can you have this other date? We moved it, I think, I wanna say to Thanksgiving weekend, actually, American Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And at the time, I know it's like, oh, but that's actually a rare game where we sell a lot of tickets because it's Thanksgiving weekend. And I have to say, Milbury said, we're doing it then. We want his whole family there. You came and you reunited uh, with a childhood, a young childhood friend. Can you take it from there, please?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I think you guys, so I was in Alaska, and you guys flew me down to watch the induction uh, and put me up in a hotel. And my dad was like, you're not staying at a hotel. You're staying at my best friend's. You're staying at the Gillies house. So um, on, on Thanksgiving, um, my, uh, well, I guess my now wife opened the door, Brianna Gillies. Um, you know, I think she was a little, a little hungover from Wednesday night, to, to as it is uh, in the US before Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, and, and so I stayed there for the weekend, and you know, we she was kind of my chauffeur and took me around for the those those few days. So we grew up as next door neighbors. Like our parents bought houses beside each other, so up till five years old or six, as five, we you know all our pictures are together and birthdays in kindergarten. We did everything together. And then when our dads got traded, hers to Buffalo, mine to LA, you know, however, you know, that all went down. Um, We didn't see each other for 20 years. So going back there, reconnecting, uh, she had a boyfriend uh, that Thanksgiving, so nothing happened. But when my brother sent me a message that they had broken up on MySpace, and so I immediately sent her a message. And, um, you know, we hit it off long distance, and then gave it a try in person. And uh, here we are. You know, I guess that was in 2006. So we're 15, 16 years later now. We've been together since then. Uh, two young kids and living in Toronto. So all I know is my friends. When I was first starting to kind of see Brie, they would send me uh, videos of Clark beating the shit out of people, and they'd be like, "You sure you want to do this? <laughs> you know, like you don't want to like dip your toe in, in these waters and mess things up." So I had to be all the way in before we got started, and I was pretty sure I found the one.
1: And I, I trust that first conversation with or that first time you then saw him that, that you, you, you I mean obviously you were friends uh, but he yeah. gave was he fairly easy on you
2: you know what's great is so because my dad and Clark were such good buddies like they Clark was around a little bit because he would come up to Kelowna BC and play in my dad's golf tournament when I was like 15 or 16 Clark mailed me the first ever Callaway Big Bertha like the driver so like you know I we had he had good to me throughout my life. And so I think I was someone that uh, he was going to trust in the early going that I, I didn't have any uh, ill intent or anything. I remember being on the back of his golf cart, like my dad and him were in the cart and I was riding on the back and I was like, so Clark, I'm, uh, I'm shopping for rings. And he was like, is that a Canadian way of asking if you can marry my daughter? And I was like, I guess. He was like, yeah, you're good. And then, you know, we went and I three jacked on the green and off we went to the next tee. So yeah, he's, he's always been good.
1: Uh, so it's, one, it's one of the all-time great family stories in and, and hockey and uh and i'm so happy for both you and, and brie when you went to, what do you remember about going to islanders training camp you wrote about it you know your experiences but when you look back on it on it now i re- i was there and i just i just i, I watched it a whole way because we i don't know i just felt like that's like that's like somebody we know you know like yeah. somebody who's who's islanders blood but um Please tell me everything that you remember
2: about that. Yeah, you know, I think I remember the biggest personalities. Uh, you know, I, I, Bill Garen and uh, Mike Sillinger stand out to me a lot. Like, Garen was Guerin was it. You know, Mike Comrie being there was really cool to me, too. I think what, this sounds really contradictory, but, like, I never grew up thinking I was going to play in the NHL. It wasn't even really a goal of mine. Like, I played house hockey and at certain levels and kind of the, never on the A-rep team. And it wasn't that I was – not good enough. It was never really a focus in my life. You know, my parents did separate when I was eight or nine years old. So, you know, I, you know, my mom taking me to practices and stuff while I had other interests. And then like at 14 or something, I was pretty good. And then I grew like six inches and I could still score and people were a little more interested in me. And all of a sudden I was like, this is kind of fun. You know, now it's, it's getting easier for me. And I, I really started to commit to it. So anyway, my point with all that is that I kind of felt a little starstruck being there, right? Like I was right out of college and university and there's Bill Guerin and and Mike Comrie and some of those guys that I I had watched and admired and all that. So a little bit starstruck. Um, you know, I, I remember just not knowing what to expect from like, can I keep up and then finding out that I could and feeling pretty good. You know, I I actually played pretty well at that camp. Um, you know, despite some of the pressures and outside, uh, any noise, you know, doing the odd interview here and there, just about dad and all that. So I guess I remember for the first time kind of being treated to uh as again, not a celebrity, but of someone who was worthy of like an autograph. And you know, they they the truth is what I really remember is being handed a per diem envelope and NHL players got like a hundred dollars a day. There's like seven hundred dollars cash in an envelope. I'm coming from U University, I've been eating ramen for four years. I was just like, oh my god you know, so there was just some like moments where you're like, is this real on their charter? You know, uh, who was it? Bill Guerin was singing the Lizzie McGuire theme song. Cause Mike Comrie was dating Hillary Duff, like just kind of being in on the inside jokes. Um, you know, all that stuff was, was really cool for me and, you know, made me feel more comfortable at the next levels. Cause I got to know the guys who ended up in the American league there too. So yeah, the Islanders organization has been nothing but great to me. Uh, still, still holds my heart in every way.
0: More Hockey Press Pass with Justin Bourne and Chris Botta, next. Hey guys, it's producer Pat and I want to tell you about Instat Hockey. Instat Hockey offers the largest statistical data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by coaches, scouts, players, and of course media personnel, at every level of the game, there is no better choice than Instat to help in the evaluation of games and individual players. The Instat Hockey platform saves the user hours of time watching game film, Team and player statistics are pre-cut into separate playlists, including players' individual shifts, and all video clips can be edited, shared, and downloaded by the user. Visit instatsport.com slash hockey today for more info. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones-down, eyes-up tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you, from card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic: The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. Uh, having that experience, and also
1: you know, Utah, I want to say, in the East Coast League, yeah. you're an All Star, p- produced you, get, you know for 40 points. I uh, had a good run there, but then you know, not playing anymore, does that give you a, a more, an even greater appreciation? Not that you wouldn't have it already, yeah. but an even greater one for never mind Matthews and Tavares and. and, and or whatever but the the guys like high and who make it and 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 you know and and then have careers or even just eke out some games at the nhl level
2: for sure no it absolutely does and i think it makes me appreciate two things number one is the guys who are that good at like 19 and 20 years old i don't even know what that's like like that's like a, a like from birth focusing on hockey to be as good as those guys are as young as they are like some of these guys contribute now at 20 years old I was going to university in 1920 at 20 I went to university I spent four years there you know I left university and 23 24 years old and got better every year along the way and so even then you know I was an ECHL all-star you mentioned and you know spent a couple of months in the American League and you know that that's as good as I could do, and I'm in my mid twenties. Like these guys to be that good that young is one thing. They're kind of like the freaks in nature. But then the guys you mentioned who who climb the charts, who climb the ranks the whole way there. You know Yanni Gord. You know plays in the in the you know QMJHL, and then he plays the East Coast League, and then he works his way to the American League, and then not just makes the NHL, but wins Stanley Cups. Makes like the work this guy. It's been his life. I don't even think he would know. The work he's put in until he gets out of it he steps off the treadmill and he goes like oh like you know you can shower and just be dressed for the day this is what civilians do like i don't even know that he would be aware of, of what he's done so i do appreciate these guys and, and their abilities and you know it's nice to have played against some of the best in the world and have a sense for uh, for what it's like to play against them but I was playing against Jonathan Taves in college when I was 24 and he was 18. I was almost as good as him, almost, but I was six years older. So, yeah, they, just a real appreciation for those guys.
1: On a typical day for you, not a trade deadline game, a day or a playoff game, uh, is it are in and around your family responsibilities with two young children with Brianna, Um what is your prep like to do the show with Nick and all your other stuff? Do you have to immerse yourself in all things NHL? It might seem obvious, but do you have a, a system or a place or certain sites that you go to or people that you read yeah. to give yourself kind of that daily, in addition to watching the games, uh, daily in, uh, intake of knowledge?
2: Yeah, no, that's, um, you know, that evolves constantly for me. And it is, it's a huge part of what I do. So, yeah, I take in the whole NHL because I don't think you can talk about one team without having, you know, context and being able to talk about the other teams. But this is my first year doing just the Leafs as a radio show. We still, of course, we do the whole NHL, but, um, you know, I did Hockey Central last year, which was a whole league thing, and sometimes it would get a little Leafs heavy. But so this year I've changed my focus to being more Leaf centric um, Yeah, you know, I got a couple places. I, I really enjoy... Um, you know, the athletic Jonas Siegel does good work. Uh, he has a Monday morning leaf report that I read as a maple leaf hot stove. I, I read their Monday, Monday stuff as well. Um, t- to me, the most important thing is having a Twitter feed curated full of the right people, you know, making sure you're getting the right links that show up in your feed. So you don't miss uh, anything too important there. Then there's the other aspects of where, you know, I, I, check on the numbers. Natural statric is really good. That's probably my go-to for finding, the Corsi percentages and the expected goals and not so much to like form an opinion, but just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Like you, you go on there and, you know, Nick Ritchie is leading the Maple Leafs in uh, Corsi for the last two weeks or something. It's like, all right, well, I've been criticizing him every day. Maybe I need to, to watch again and then go back. And we have an internal program at Sportsnet, um, you know, to watch video, that I believe I'm the only person who uses and has taken the time to figure out. So I use that to anywhere I can get an advantage, man. I'm looking for, uh, you know, to get a leg up. I find media competitive and, you know, I I recognize that I have to do it better than other people coming up. And so one of the tools I have is I, I, we have the resources at sportsnet. There's no excuse for me not to have the answers. I can send an email to the, to a email address, internal sportsnet email address and get stats when I have questions. So for me, I just have no excuse. So I do find though that a lot of my prep, uh, it it works, it's layers, right? Like if I do prep for television, I'm usually finding out something I can also use on the show that I may also use in my writing. You know, so it seems like I've got three different things going on, but the prep kind of is one thing. And then, you know, you figure out what works best where, but um, it is. It's time-consuming, but I, I genuinely like hockey and like following it, so that makes it a lot easier.
1: I'll resist calling you a grinder, though, in this case.
2: <laughs> you're hearing you, I flattered. No one's ever called me that on the ice, I promise.
1: But, uh, but, but, I mean, you know, that's what you're doing now is you're out working, right? You're like, you know, I can't. I don't know I'm trying to think of some. Well, even Kipri, who played a long time, right? Like you you're, you have that extra edge. It doesn't take away from anybody else. Everybody brings something different. And then there's the hosts who do such a great job, like Jeff Merrick, right? Everybody brings their different skill set. That's what you're bringing. Because you're in Toronto, I'd like to have some fun. I think this could actually, there's no reason why it wouldn't be positive on both ends. But I'd like to talk about John Tavares. And what he means to the lease and what you think he will continue to bring to them. And then I'll come to the second part of that question.
2: Yeah. You know, he, they named him the captain, you know, that, you know, it's um, you know, they named him the captain cause they, all of the things that he he represents is steadiness, a consistency, a drive to win. And he's a hockey player. I don't know if he knows about other things like he is a hockey player, you know? And I think that, is something that they wanted from this group. You know, Willie Nylander's on TikTok shirtless doing you know dances in the summer and Mitch Marner is, you know, making $11 million a year, wearing a Red Bull hat and everyone's up in arms. So God knows what. So I think he, he, they look at him as stability. He's hockey first. Um, He's someone they feel like they can rely upon, you know, the way the NHL works now with salary caps. is so unfortunate because a lot of these guys get viewed directly through the lens of their contract, rather than like, good guy, good person, works hard, good player, you know, but everything about Tavares here is like, but he makes him at 11 million, you know? So unfortunate that that clouds it sometimes, as long as he's producing, they will love him here. Uh, There are years left on that contract that I'm not confident that production can stay up. So I don't know how that plays out in the end, but for now, I think there's a lot of respect there for the guy he is. And, um, you know, obviously a great appreciation that he, he left to, to come to Toronto.
1: And then the other side to it is, is that you, you don't get a prize for making the final four, two years in a row. Although I would have signed up for more years like that. When I, wow. when I worked there, I had one um, yeah. in 93, thanks to right. Um, <laughs> but, and others, but was it, it when we look back on it, is it still like when Tavares left, which was his business, his choice? Um, we can, you know, criticize maybe how, on a PR way, he played some of that or whatever. But I don't get too caught up in that. But everybody thought, rightfully so, that the Islanders were going to stink for a while, right? I mean, like yeah. nobody, at least in the moment all right, they signed trots Barry trots certainly used right? Well, maybe, all right. But even then, I, if I recall correctly, it wasn't that long ago, the feeling was like, even if Barry coaches them to death, you know, maybe they're fighting for eight. Yeah. So where, you know, how, how do you see that achievement so far, knowing it's about winning the cup? Maybe they will get other shots at it. We'll see what this year, obviously you might want to throw out. We'll see where it goes in the next few weeks. Yeah. But, but as a, I believe you're a fan or you have a special place oh, in yeah. heart for the Islanders. Like, what was it like to see that, to see that them lose that guy, thinking it's Barzal and Bailey and a few other guys? And then what became of them the, 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 for the three seasons after that?
2: Well, you know, it's a great question. I think, unfortunately, a lot of it gets phrased as like, or like kind of uh, shaped in a way that's like they went there, um, you know, without him. Like, because he wasn't there. Like, for me, because I, you know, I hold no animosity that he left. And I'm not, uh, I'm maybe in the minority there. But, like, for me, it kind of felt like, God, maybe he was the one piece. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if they got that far, if they still had trots and did everything else the same, maybe he's the difference there. So, maybe he's not. Maybe they never get there with him and he plays big minutes and it doesn't work out. You know, he had some defensive issues and there was, uh, it's impossible to say Kyle Dubas likes to say there is no alternate reality there. That's the one that we live in and that's what happened. So, um, but it is really cool. And it, you know, it is very long Island to me that there was no rollover. No. Oh, well, woe was me? And just a whole lot of F you. Like it really felt like a big middle finger and a big, we don't need you anyway. I really love the attitude. I love the chance. Like as much as I don't think that John Tavares should have to deal with. I feel like he should be a celebrated figure in Islanders history. You know, like he was an important part of a team and gave his best for many years and made players better. And, you know, he, he was a great Islander when he was there, but I, at the same time, he's one person and I can't feel bad for him when he's making $11 million in his hometown, all those people who got to say, you know, like, you know, this one's for us and we don't need you. I loved it. I love that. And so, you know, there's a piece of me that's happy for both sides. I, I guess I uh, I'm a sentimental guy and I kind of wish everyone could patch it up and we could all be friends again. And maybe Islanders nation will with Tavares one day, but I don't know if either side wins a Stanley cup and this time it's going to be hard. <laughs> and,
1: and that's what, that's what makes it fun. Right. And, and I, I, I do get all sides. The Islander stuff. And I know um, Tim and Sid, I think which host chose, was, uh, you know, said something like he doesn't understand how Islander fans treat Tavares. I think Tavares hurt himself by constantly saying he wanted to come back. And we get it, it's free agency. I think there was a better way of playing that, because then when he didn't, you know, so I I get that, but um,
2: you know what he should have done, is gotten traded at the deadline, and let them get a whole asset, then sign back with them. that's what he should have done.
1: There's a big part of that, that I think that's part of it as well, because they would have, right, it was uh, different, it was Carl's back then, so, um, thank you so much for doing this, bud, I I know you got a lot going on with your family, and youngsters, so thanks for taking some time to, to do this, and and hope we'll stay in touch, and maybe we could talk some more hockey down the road.
2: Yeah, great to see you. It's been too long. The second I got your text, I was uh, eager to be involved, man. So uh, glad to see you're doing this, and best of luck with it. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a hit.
1: Thank you, Justin. Best to your family. You too. Thanks, Chris. Take care, bud.
0: Well, that will do it for this episode of Hockey Press Pass. A gigantic thank you once again to Justin Bourne for spending some time. And a huge thank you again to all the fans that have listened so far, that continue to listen, and that will listen in the future. And, of course, from the entire Hockey Press Pass family, Ksenia, Danny, and, of course, Chris. I'm Pat Boyle. Thank you so much. A huge thanks, as always, to the Main Street Board Game Cafe, and we'll see you on the next episode of Hockey Press Pass.